Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Hopefully everyone is having a good week in July, enjoying life, football right around the corner, and that's what we will do. We'll talk some running backs. They are still not very happy. Got a group text going as a group, screaming at everyone that will listen, except the only people that matter, GMs and coaches, don't really care. We will talk about hard knocks. The Jets do not want to show anyone getting cut. They think it's inhumane. As well as, uh, what else? Oh, Fields said he'll throw 4,000 yards, so we will dive into that. Uh, some football talk today, because, you know, it's like, because start smelling it outside. Well, you can't hear it because it's 175 degrees in Arizona, but if you live in an area that grass clippings right around the corner, saw Andy Reid already talking at training camp, some of the rookies reporting, a lot of vets, probably the next five, six days, will be reporting all around training camp. And I'd say by about July 20th, Probably by August 1st, most teams will be in pads. So we're 12 plus days away for pads popping. Uh, fun times, SEC media days going on. So football's in the air. Football is in the air. The game plan will be this podcast. I'll probably have a British Open reaction Monday. And then I have, uh, I just actually talked with Mike Lombardi, former GM, podcast host. We will play that on Tuesday. So we got some good content coming for you. Subscribe to the podcast, obviously. Check out the YouTube page. Hammer that like button. Leave comments. Subscribe. As well as merch. We got a little Golo deal going on right now. If you go to thevolume.com, check out the merch. If you get a Golo polo, you get half off a hat with the promo code OPEN23. So thevolume.com. We got some three and out swag as well. Go check that out. A lot of, uh, lot of swag up there on the merch store. And other than that, mailbag, you can always get in the mailbag. We do one on this podcast, at John Middlecoff. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. Let's roll, baby. But first, I'm recording this Thursday around lunchtime. I'm going to Morgan Wallen tonight because of my friends at Game Time. What you need to do, like what I did, is download the Game Time app and use the promo code JOHN and get $20 off. I'm sitting really close to the stage because Game Time is the official ticketing app of this podcast. Loyal partners, you guys keep hammering that promo code. Promo code John, $20 off. Sporting events, concerts, comedy shows, you name it, they have you covered. Game Time, fastest growing ticketing app in America. Download it and do it now. Promo code John. Okay, the running back saga goes on and on and on. Saquon Barkley was on a podcast the other day and basically went on a tangent of 
his options are limited. There's nothing he can do beside basically saying F you to the Giants, F you to the teammates, and just not show up, cause a scene, be a bad teammate. And he prefaced it by saying, that's not what I plan on doing. That's not who I am. And if you put yourself in his shoes, I, I, I get, you know, looking around the league, watching high-end players get paid at other positions, and it be relatively seamless, right? Wide receivers, tackles, defensive linemen, corners. But he plays running back. And Collins talked about this in nauseum this week, the supply and demand. That This is basic economics. I, I just really can't wrap my head around anyone who can't figure this out. And for the most part, I think most people that listen to this podcast understand it right I mean, we, we have a uh we have a smart group of people here that get the way it just it's just like sports in general right basketball centers are very they, they don't get valued like they did when i was a kid in baseball all over the sport billy bean started this years ago with the platoon player right to try to find value one of the biggest topics in america right now are mortgage rates well over seven percent well, if you have a mortgage rate at 3%, what do they call it? Golden handcuffs. You don't want to sell your house because there's a dramatic difference of paying for the same house at 3% than 7% of what it does to your payment. Our whole life revolves around value when it comes to business. Anyone listening to this in any industry, everything you do in terms of acquisitions, in terms of you know, business dealings in terms of people that you try to land is because of the value they bring you, which is usually positive. And running backs have proven time and time again that you can find replacements. If you could not, if they were tougher to replace, they would be paid more. It's why when you get a sweet offensive tackle or pass rusher or corner, they usually are paid a premium. They are very, very difficult to replace. And that equals the value. It just isn't that complicated. Zach Martin, who the Cowboys, all pro guard, a little older now, but has a much longer resume than any of the, the really, it's the two guys, Jacobs and, and Saquon Barkley. He's a six-time all pro. I mean, he's putting together like a Hall of Fame resume. And I was thinking about this yesterday. And he's scheduled, he thinks he's underpaid, wants more money. Don't blame him. Now, the difference is if you turn on television, it's not going to be the same energy because he's an offensive lineman, an interior offensive lineman, where the running backs, much more famous, much bigger headlines. People just know their fantasy football, right? They're just, they're big stars in college. They're just headline players. I mean, Saquon Barkley, Penn State, Josh Jacobs, Alabama, Zach Martin, who's a Notre Dame guy, but he plays guard, right? Most people could not point him out of, point him out of a lineup. Beside that he's a really big individual. You would not know what he looked like if he passed you on the street. Beside, like, that's an enormous human being. And I was thinking about what is more difficult, playing guard or playing running back? Because playing guard right now, every single week, you're going up against a $15, $20 million player. It's like, who are you blocking this week? Up, oh, Aaron Donald. Who you got next week? Up, oh, DeForest Buckner. Who's after that? Up, oh, Fletcher Cox. I mean, it never ends. I've been saying this for a while. The amount of high-end interior offensive linemen over the last seven, eight years relative to the high-end interior pass rushers has not been equal. There have been way more talent 
at defensive tackle coming in over the last half decade than coming in at, at guard and center. Yet every single game, if I'm Zach Martin or any center or any guard in the league, I have to obviously run block these players. But the most important thing we do now in the sport in terms of the value of what we pay for, if I'm a team, is the passing game, right? I have to protect the quarterback, the highest paid player in the league. I have to block one of the highest paid positions in the league, the defensive tackle. And I have to keep, I have to make sure that that guy does not hit my most important asset. It gets back to like the Bill Walsh thing, right? He realized that the offensive tackle was, you know, going up against LT back in the 80s, trying to protect Joe Montana, the most important player in the league. And the reason guards like running backs sometimes are viewed closer to widgets than some of these other positions. Because I can find guards, centers, and running backs on the third day of the draft. And find guys, if you look all over the league, you'll find seventh rounders, undrafted free agents, starting four teams at Garden Center. If the only time I could get a Garden Center was in the first couple rounds and potentially find a high-end player, they would be valued much higher, right? It's why most of the offensive tackles, when you look at, let's just say, the last 20 years, they get drafted consistently higher than guards and centers. And the running back position, which historically used to get drafted really high, now it's very hit or miss. And these players could complain all day long on social media. Matt Miller, who used to work at Bleacher Report, now uh, does stuff at ESPN, just had a tweet about basically the philosophy of draft a running back, Right until his wheels fall off and then draft another running back. And basically every running back in the NFL quote tweeted that was talking a bunch of shit. To me, that's very misplaced energy. You can get mad at people in the media or fans or whoever that you don't think value you. Those people are ultimately irrelevant. They do not determine how much money you make. The people that determine that are the general managers and the coaches that coach you and you essentially work for. They're the ones who have that view. Those are the people where you should put your energy toward, but you won't. You'll just scream at the media who doesn't care about you and thinks you're, you know, replaceable where the people that actually have the power to replace you slash pay you. They view you that way. Austin Eckler, who is a really, really good player. And beside being a really good player is an incredible story, Right guy comes out of nowhere becomes like lead the league in touchdowns for a couple of years or close to it and is very mad that he doesn't make more money that second and third wide receivers on other teams make more than him well yeah he can get mad all he wants the chargers literally said go see if you can find a trade they couldn't do it so the entire league the market has spoken they don't think you are trade worthy given that i have to trade a, a valued pick and then pay you where when Khalil Mack was available, it's like, what do you want? Two first-round picks? We'll give him $90 million guaranteed. Remember when Jalen Ramsey was available? Two first-round picks? Here's $75 million. Tyreek Hill available? Here's first and a second and a third and a fourth. And here's $80 million. <laughs> right? The market speaks in sports. When a guy is available, what will people pay slash trade for them? And running backs like guards and centers and I will defend Zach Martin. He definitely deserves a raise. And to me, he's a better player. I would rather have Zach Martin on my team than Saquon Barkley. Strictly because I could find, it's much easier for me to find another running back 
than it is even a Hall of Fame guard. Now, if I wanted to make the argument against Zach Martin, I'd go, well, I probably can't find a Hall of Fame guard, but I can find a random guard that could most people notice the difference. Is there a is there a wide enough gap that my team falls apart? Probably not. But the difference between Zach Martin and a replaceable guard at quarterback, the equivalent of Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, is a mile wide. And I, I, I've seen it firsthand with the 49ers. They have gone through running backs and running backs and running backs. That's why I wasn't a big fan at first of the Christian McCaffrey trade. I'm like, wait, you're trading all that for a running back? Then when I look back, he's under a cost-controlled contract. I will have different views, and I think he's a remarkable player. He's better than Saquon Barkley, right? Part of being a uh, complete running back, like to me, Josh Jacobs is a better player than Saquon Barkley. I would rather have next year, in 2023, who would you want as your running back? I would take Jacobs over Saquon. I think he's a more complete player. I just think he's a better player. And again, I'm nitpicking high-end guys. Like Saquon's really good. But when Saquon... This notion, and I'm going to go back to this, that he's just royally getting screwed. Some guys do get screwed. When you've made, right, when you're a six-round pick and, and you become a starter and you become a pro bowler and you're making 800 grand, the gap between what you're actually worth, depending on the position, 10, 15, 20 million dollars, and what you're making is large, right? It's 10, 15, 20x. But Saquon, the difference of what he's actually making right now, 10 million dollars, at the end of this year, he would average $8 million a season at his, you know, over a six-year career. And what, he, you know, maybe he's an $11 million player. The gap isn't that wide, right? If you're listening to this right now and you're making two hundred grand, and you think you, you, whatever you're doing for your company, you think you're a little underpaid. You're like, you know, I, I should be making two fifty. dollars that, that gap's not that wide. But if you're listening right now and you go, God, I'm making my company millions and I'm making a hundred grand. Should I be making 800 grand? Like, that's a wide gap. Then we could have a serious conversation. You might be getting screwed. But to me, Saquon Barkley not getting screwed is does he have some argument? He's worth a little bit more? Sure. The value to his team, what he means to his franchise. Yeah, but the, but the gap, what are we talking? 15%, 10%, 20%? It's not that wide. He's acting like he's making $300,000 and he's worth 17. But that's not really the case here. He's been and continues to be paid a premium. But speaking of these GMs and coaches, and, and this is where these the running back group that's now, I guess, based on the internet on this group text all together, I don't really know what they plan on accomplishing here because it feels like they're going to end up just yelling on social media, kind of at fans and at the media instead of yelling at the people that are in control. Vic Tafer, who has covered the Raiders for as long as I've ever been around him, a known Vic, Knows his shit. He's he's locked in. Knows people, uh, not just in the league, but he, he's dialed in with the Raiders. And he, th there were reports that like it actually was close, and Josh Jacobs was in the parking lot uh, on the franchise deadline day. I guess that would have been Monday. That if a deal got done, he would have ran inside and signed the contract. And Taper wrote that they were never very close. And I remember getting in an argument a couple years ago. I, I tweeted something about a player that his contract was really shitty and he was worth a lot more. And the agent got very bad at me. And uh, we kind of, I, 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 when I say I know the agent, like I don't even think I've ever met him in person, but we've texted before. And we got a phone call. We had a long conversation. We just kind of agreed to disagree, but it was, it was cordial or whatever. And uh, he, he, the one thing he did explain to me, which I, I guess I knew, but it, it makes sense. Whenever you are, let's say like Nick Bosa, for example, 
when you, I'm negotiating my contract, that fifth year option that if I'm going to negotiate after my fourth year or you know, even after my third year, that fifth year option is a set number. So if I'm, I guess Nick is done with his fourth year. So his fifth year, let's, I don't have the number off the top of my head. Let's just say it's $20 million. That's what Nick Bosa's contract would be this year. That's guaranteed, right? Usually when I'm negotiating, if I'm his agent, that fifth year and then that first year franchise tag, like that is like the starting point of guaranteed money for a lot of players, right? So if that number is 20 and 25, we're at like 45, 50. That, that's, there's non-negotiable even anything close uh, over that, right? So we are starting probably 60, 70 million dollars. Bose is obviously way higher. But so when you get a guy like Josh Jacobs, who is being franchise tagged at $10 million, where when I'm negotiating on his behalf as an agent, it, I, we're not starting at the guaranteed number around $10 million. We're actually starting at closer to 25 because I go, well, your franchise is tagging me this year. I know if I have another year like I just had, you'll franchise tag me again. That number's at $22, 23000000 million. So, and Vic Tafer wrote that they weren't even remotely close to that number. And Josh Jacobs, if you watched him last season, now you could argue for a guy that had this remarkable year, it didn't necessarily, just because a running back, let's say runs for 2,000 yards or has 20 touchdowns, it doesn't guarantee you 10 wins. It, it doesn't actually guarantee you anything yet. And this is the, the argument on quarterbacks, right? If a quarterback, if Derek Carr would have had the equivalent of Josh Jacobs' season, the Raiders would have been in the playoffs, right? And, and this this is the the back and forth and the hamster wheel that these running backs fight. A little bit with Zach Martin, too, who, again, all pro-level player. One of the great Cowboys offensive linemen ever. An absolute war daddy. Badass. A dude you want to go to war with. A guy you want in the trenches with you. I, I would take Zach Martin. If you just said, hey, starting a team, would you rather have Josh Jacobs you know, all at 22 years old? Saquon Barkley or Zach Martin? I'd be like, well, I'll take Zach Martin and then I'll find another running back, right? Give me Zach Martin and the 10th best running back. I, that's what I'd want. And uh, this is just the conversation that goes on with these guys. And I think the problem is where their animosity and their negativity toward just the situation comes because they see every other player at these other positions, it'd be pretty seamless. And that's never going to be the case. And I got news for you. It's only going to get worse. Like th this is not going to slow down. But it starts with the GMs and the coaches. So when I see these players tweet, we're viewed as widgets, yet yeah, they view you as widgets. They do. The guys in control, not even the owners. The owners think that way because their GMs and coaches tell them that. I've been in these meetings. I've seen it. That's the way they're talking about you guys. That's where you need to direct your energy. Anything on social media to people that have no decision-making power is a waste of your time. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Speaking of waste of time, hard knocks. It came out, and I've been saying forever, it's it's over. And people have argued, Middlecoff, you're talking about the quarterback series. Yeah, the, the Netflix series is much more enjoyable to me than Hard Knocks because I know what I'm getting into. I'm just watching the headliners, the quarterbacks. I'm not thinking it's going to be anything more than that, right? Hard Knocks pretends to be reality show inside. Well, that's no longer the case. And the Jets recently came out and said, I saw this headline within the last 24 hours that they think it's inhumane to show a player getting cut. And part of what made Hard Knocks very, very special back when I was a kid and however old you are, like when it was really in its prime in the 2000s, was how raw and real it was. From the coaches' meetings, you know, that big like boardroom table with all the coaches and the executives going through players. You're like, God, this is incredible, right? And then the power of watching players be released. Because the reality is, when you have to cut down a roster from 90 or 80 to 53, you got to fire a lot of people. And I've had firsthand experience. When you work in the NFL as the lowest level guy on a scouting staff, you take those guys to the airport. You pick up their playbook or iPad. I've done it. It's, it's a bizarre situation, right? But it is the reality of the sport, right? It'd be like, you know, we don't like showing our coaches get fired. Well, coaches get fired every single year. It's the notion, the like hard knocks, inhumane. Football is not like if I just went into your insurance company. Your, you know, your district manager isn't calling you a fucking moron when you screw up a phone call. And I don't mean he might tell you that like one on one, but he's not screaming it to the entire office where everyone at every cubicle can hear it, like happens in football. The meeting room in football with offense, defensive line, wide receivers, whatever, is unlike any situation in any workplace, right? So the notion inhumane, I do understand where the Jets are coming from. With social media, you know, a kid cries. It's a devastating feeling. But it is the reality of the sport, right? I've been fired. People get fired. People get laid off. Welcome to society. Welcome to capitalism. It It is what it is. Now, From their perspective, totally get it. But team's perspective and what we want, the fans, the consumers that newsflash, we pay for everything with our time that are no longer aligned. And it's why I think this show, I I get where the Jets are coming from. I wouldn't want to show players get cut either. I wouldn't want to show the uh, personnel meetings where I'm talking shit about our third round pick because he can't, you know, set the edge because he's got, turns out he's got slow feet or he can't catch, or he can't cover, or whatever. But that's how people talk. Like, I've been in coaches' meetings for six years as a young professional. It's raw and real in there. It it, it ain't for everybody. And listen, every coach handles it a little different. I was around Pat Hill. You know, much more vulgar vulgar than, let's say, Andy Reid. But the conversations, regardless what words are used, are being had. You either can get it done, or you can't. That's it's the nature of the beast. And this and people get cut left and right. You're going to turn on. I would say the first couple weeks of training camp, you are going to have players once pads come on that have no business in the NFL that are going to be released. 
happens every single year. I've done it within a couple of days. Like he's going to get someone injured because it's just it's just too much. And like it's I, I don't know what to say beside the show has to be done. We have to just wave the white flag when you're getting to the point that it's inhumane. It's what a what a 2023 headline too inhumane. Uh, yeah, it's just it's not a great look to say. Yes, yeah, we're, we're a little uncomfortable doing this. Say inhumane. I mean, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> what a joke. Uh, I, I just let's just move on. It's OK. Everything comes to an end. Seinfeld ended. Friends ended. Sopranos ended. Succession ended. Shows end. And, and we just move on and figure it out. The NFL is lucky. They don't need hard knocks. They have enough. You know, the games, the, all the publicity, all the podcasts. We all talk about it. We all play fantasy football. This is it's just run its course. It's been an awesome run. Just say goodbye. And last but not least, uh, Colin asked me a couple weeks ago if I thought Justin Fields was the long-term quarterback for the Bears. And my answer was simple. History would show us that it's probably not going to work out. Because more often than not, like most guys do not become top 10 quarterbacks, right? Most guys are holding on for dear life. And then the fringe guys, right? Like the Jimmy Garoppolo types are very, very dependent on the organization, on the coach and on the talent around them. Most guys just turn out to be not good enough, right? And I think if you watch that quarterback series, that's Marcus Mariota. Great guy, good player, obviously awesome player in college, but he's just flawed. He's not accurate enough. I remember, and I always struggle with this because, like, and I I respect this guy a lot, and and I think he knows college football, and and he's dialed in. But I think sometimes when you're too close to it, and I remember interviewing Joel Klatt, back when Mariota was coming out, or maybe it was New Heisel, like one of the college football guys, and they were comparing Mariota to Steve Young. And I, I think when you just watch a bunch of college football and you're just not as dialed in on Sunday, right? Like part of my job is I get to do both. I, I, I watch a ton of college football and I watch a ton of NFL. It's like the best scouts in the league have to know the league and they have to know college football. And I remember Mariota in college, it was like, God, he's just not accurate enough. His accuracy, it was just, it wasn't good relative to like comparing him to Steve Young. And to me, that's been the downfall because athleticism, I know he's been injured a little bit, but he's just not a good enough quarterback to be a high-end starter. And it's why he's kind of been a bridge guy and now he's essentially a backup. To me, Justin Fields, uh, I would just say history shows us that most guys do not become really good. And they've clearly done a lot to surround him with better players, the trade they made for DJ Moore. But I think a lot of people, especially Bears fans, think like the DJ Moore was specifically Justin Fields. To me, it was just a value move. And Ryan Poles has talked about this. They wanted to get one of the Panthers' three best players in this trade. And they weren't budging with the... they. DJ Moore was the third guy they wanted. They wanted Burns and they wanted Derek Brown. And those were non-negotiables. So they took DJ Moore. It wasn't like we had to get DJ Moore to get him. No, they wanted one of the sweet players. Because as an organization, they wanted to get a guy under contract, a young ascending player, right? That would basically act as a sweet draft pick, but you already know the guy's good. So everyone's acting like they did this for Justin Fields. No, I mean, partly, but they were just, they would have much rather had the defensive lineman. Ryan Poles in in Eberflus did not draft this guy. And he said on a CBS podcast that I'm going to throw for 4,000 yards. 
History would show you that no quarterback in Chicago Bears history in the in franchise history has ever thrown for 4,000 yards. Now, in fairness, it's not really a quarterback organization, right? This is not Favre and Rodgers or Young and Montana. And, you know, th- this is not Mahomes. They, they haven't had great quarterbacks. But still, it's like, bro, let's just walk before we run. Well, to me, there's something... It's hard, right? I have no problem as like once you start really having success, every once in a while throwing out some cocky lines like Mahomes, a Brady, a Manning, a, even Josh Allen or Burrow. Like they've got a little resume now. To me, when you haven't proven anything in pro sports, I'd be very careful about just like putting things in stone because it's just so difficult. And I remember when Ryan Pohl said a couple years ago when he got hired, maybe it was how long, however long he's been on the job now, a year maybe it was a year and a half ago that he basically guaranteed like we're going to own the AFC North or excuse me, the NFC North. It's going to, it's going to come through Chicago. It's like, I I just don't love those comments before you've proven anything just because of how difficult this sport is. It it is so hard to win. There, there was a clip that went viral the other day of Andy Reid, and they asked him what he did on his vacation for the last like 30 days. The entire NFL has been off. Andy's got a beach house, Southern California. I, I don't know exactly what he did for his vacation, but most guys, I saw a picture of Lane Kiffin today at SEC Media Days. Dude's been at the beach every day, boozing. It's just a very, very, you know, uh, McVeigh was in the Amalfi Coast with his with his new wife, pregnant wife. Congratulations, Sean. And just it's just a time to kind of relax. You know what Andy said? I take my work with me. And every day I watch minimum a couple hours worth of stuff because some people read novels. I watch plays. The, the, these guys, the people you're battling against are, and and he and Poles knows because he worked in Kansas City, but I'm just using, you could use any coach. The, these guys are so driven and addicted to the sport from Howie to Kyle to you, you name it. It is so hard. You, you could be really good and fail. It, to me, it's the cool part about like pro sports or Wall Street or or any super, super competitive business. Just because you don't have success does not mean you're bad at your job. Does not mean that at all. It's just, it's just hard. There's no guarantee. I mean, for 20 years, Andy Reid couldn't win a Super Bowl. You think he was working any less hard? You think he wasn't trying as much as he tries now? Right? You think Belichick is trying any less hard this last six months than he did in some of the great Patriots teams? No. Or Saban or any of these guys. The, the work ethic never changed. These guys are fucking machines and like fields i i just humility of the sense of listen i'm gonna do everything humanly possible to make us make sure we're not drafting number one again number one you had the worst record in the nfl think about the houston texans last year were a laughing stock you guys drafted ahead of them now ultimately you didn't because you traded back but you guys were the worst team in the league let's just I know you come from Ohio State and Georgia and you've seen success, but just walk before we run. And I'm not very bullish on this. And I've liked Justin Fields coming out. I said over and over after Trevor Lawrence, I would have taken him too. Cause I'm a big believer in I'm paying my coach 10, 15 million dollars. <laughs> Mold that dude. The arm strength, the athleticism, figure it out. When I hear, you know, the processing and stuff, it's like, isn't that on you to coach him? Like you're the teacher. And there are elements of like, not everyone is going to be Peyton Manning, but clearly guys can figure it out, right? And I, I just, I, I thought at worst, like he could be some version of 
I don't know, like Cam meets like Jay Cutler or something. And I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm not very bullish on this situation. And doesn't mean I'm right. I've had a lot of people tell me Titans fans not happy with my thoughts that they have no chance to make the playoffs. Let me tell you this, Titans fans. I think your coach is a star. I listened to Vrabel with the Bussin with the boys guys. Love that guy. I mean, Mike Vrabel's the man. But I'm also realistic about just the, the situation of compare yourself to the team in your division. If you told me that a random coach and they still had Trevor Lawrence, I wouldn't be as high as in the Jacks. But not only do they have Trevor Lawrence, who clearly by the end of last year showed to be everything we thought he might be able to become and eventually a top five quarterback, but he has a top five. He, I mean, he has a Super Bowl winning coach who also is the play caller. So he has a guy who knows what he's doing, who also happens to be a former quarterback. I'm betting on the Jags. Not necessarily betting against Vrabel. I, I, I think when the dust settles, you'll look up in the Titans. I don't think they're going to suck. They'll be 8-9, but that's like the worst place to ever be. It's like what happened with Dame Lillard's career a lot of the years. Like, oh, you're just kind of battling for like a 7th, 8th seed, which is cool. There's something about being competitive, and I'm all for being competitive. I'm, I'm not a big fan of tanking until you get to the end of the season and there's kind of nothing to play for and then winning games in December. I'm not into tanking in like in, G- in October, but I'm also, you got to be realistic with where the franchise sits. And Brable even talked about that on the podcast where he went, you know, that's not really the way this league works. You never know. Things change so fast. And it's true. But yeah, I just, uh, not that high on the Bears. Okay, let's do a little Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and hit me with any question you want. At John Middlecoff is the name. Fire in. I was about to read this DM and then I accidentally pressed delete. The, the, the question basically revolved around this guy's a big Chiefs fan. He convinced his buddy to become a big Jets fan. He's from Jersey uh, because he loves the Jets chance. And the, the question was essentially with Rodgers, almost like he's being undervalued because of last year was such kind of a disaster. And the previous two years, he was the best player in the league. Why aren't the Jets viewed as equals with the Bills? Like, why do we view the Bills as dramatically better than the Jets? And the Jets are like competing with the Dolphins for a wild card. And I think it's pretty simple. They've proven it year in, year out with the tandem, right? Sean McDermott, we can nitpick him all we want now. Coward does. But as a head coach, he's proven he's rattling off 12, 13 win seasons. And Josh Allen as his quarterback. Now, are they? do they have some things like their power run game? They get a little pass happy. They depend on Josh running too much. Like We can nitpick their individual scheme and what they kind of... Uh, the ethos of their franchise right now and why it's cost them in the playoffs. But just overall, from a macro standpoint, I, I think you do have to pick them over the Jets. The other question with the Jets, like I, when Rodgers is rolling, he's legit. And they're, the Jets t- team has a lot of talent. But so we got a major question mark. And it's the head coach. Like I know Sean McDermott can coach me to 12-13 wins. I don't know that about Robert Sala. Root for him, bald brother. Uh, but as a head coach, he doesn't know anything about offense. He's very dependent on his offensive coordinator. He just had LaFleur's brother, who's like one of his best friends, had to fire him. Uh, now he gets Rodgers, who, let's face it, is kind of in control. You know, they, they've they've just, the nature of getting a guy like him and given the reasons why they got him, you kind of got to see, he's got all the juice, he's got all the power. And they're also very dependent on Nate Hackett, which 
I, I think let's just throw last year away. Clearly over his head, had no business being the head coach. The only reason he was hired with the Denver Broncos was because they were going to trade for Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers would have just not been available, Nate Hackett's never the coach. It's just zero chance, not a snowball's chance in hell. And it backfired. Now, as an offensive coordinator, you know, maybe we're going to find out. And the comfort with those two, if Rodgers has an MVP-type season, yeah, they, they easily could win that division. And Saul and the defense should be pretty good. And then it'll just be very dependent on how the offensive line comes together. If Brees Hall comes back healthy, we know Garrett Wilson's going to be really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm bullish on the Jets. But I, I, I'm not like... I wouldn't stake my life savings because of the question marks. With I'm much more concerned about the coaching staff than I am like Rogers, New Zealander living in Berlin. This guy's all over the map. Been listening for a long time, and I love the show. Always cool hearing about your travels to New Zealand. That you liked it here long time ago, but I went. My dad freaking loved New Zealand. That my dad was addicted to fishing. With all this talk about running back salaries. Do you think the NFL Player Association should be trying to negotiate for some more creative solutions to address the problem at a systematic level? One potential solution could be a very sap salary cap relief for one designated running back on each team. Another potential solution could be the designated running backs could have shorter rookie contracts, two or three years, instead of four. This would be putting running backs in a higher leverage position. I've seen this around, and I'm not trying to shit on your question here. I think it's kind of stupid. If I was if I was like Nick Bosa or Khalil Mack or Miles Garrett, like what, what? Why do they get special treatment? What? Why do I get a long contract? I'd I'd want to be a free agent in two three years too. Same with a quarterback. Why do they get treated any different? And why why would a owner if I if you and me owned a team, why would I just want to give Saquon Barkley forty million dollars even if it didn't count against the cap? Just because Dan Orlovsky and Booger McFarlane are saying like pay the players. Like why? Why would I want to do that? It's not good business, right? It's just it's just not. Why can't Zach Martin? Why can't he's a guard who's an All Pro, potential Hall of Fame player? Saquon gets the cap relief and he doesn't. Like that's that's the thing with the union. Never been in a union, but pretty sure they represent everybody. You can't kind of treat, especially a position like we're going to treat the running back. We're going to fight. If I was like DBs, like why are you fighting for me? I'm a safety here. Hey, hey guys, if I'm Kevin Byard, the Titans, like I'm a pro ball, pro level guy here. I don't, I don't make as much as corners. What's going on here, guys? It's a very, very slippery slope. And I, I've seen a lot of people throw that out. One, why would the owners want to just give the running backs money? The reason they're not giving them money is not because like the salary cap. It's because they don't think they're worth it. So even if it didn't matter against the salary cap, like I, I don't think that would change the view. I, and again, I'm I know what you're saying, and I think it's a fair question because a lot of people are throwing it out there. But I don't think that is one. It's not realistic because that's not the way a union works. And two, I don't think the teams would be interested. I'd, I'd rather have four running backs than one. But that's uh, yeah. I I I don't understand why we hold running backs on a different pedestal than like is Saquon Barkley more valuable than Jay, uh Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey is like one of the greatest centers of all time. Centers don't give any respect. Do you think the Eagles value Jason Kelsey more or running backs? Jason Kelsey. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. 
And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. First question for the bag. Loyal, loyal listener since the Lawrence Wilson Fields Lance draft. With the quarterback Netflix series being a hit, what do you think the future should be? A one-time thing, another year of different quarterbacks, or another position? Doing quarterbacks over and over could get repetitive, like hard knocks, but I don't know if another position has the same level of intrigue. Well, where was I yesterday? Someone said that it got picked up, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a second season. And my guess would be that a lot of players, you know, uh, just quarterbacks around the league are going to try to throw their hat in the ring. I, I don't know exactly how this one played out. I would imagine Omaha went to Mahomes and Cousins. I don't know how Mariota ended up in the uh, in the group, but I would guess players are going to reach out and want to be want to do this right. No different than like Netflix with golf. I bet a lot of players are going to want to get way more involved. Same thing with Netflix with F one. So I I would say for the short time, I think quarterbacks is a no brainer. I don't think it would have the same intrigue with other positions. Uh, hell, maybe you could do running backs and just listen to them bitch about their salaries. I'm making 10 million, should be making 12. I've never seen people bitch so much about numbers that aren't really that far off, right? It's, I, I always understand the guy making 50 who's worth 200 grand or the guy making 200 grand who's worth 800. But w- w- when you're making 10, you're worth 11.5. Like, I, I don't have much uh, energy for your, your takes. Found you from the herd last year, and you quickly became one of my favorite podcasts. That being said, earlier this week, I think you had a rare miss with your take about tight ends being a better position to hit on than a wide receiver. Sure, they sign longer-term, smaller-cap hit deals, but I believe there is a reason to that. Supply and demand decides the contract offers at each position, and based on the new rules and the way the game has changed, there is just not enough demand at tight end. Superior tight end blocking has become less relevant with the decline in running backs and uh, decline in running and pass catching uh, Kittle, Kelsey, and Andrews need to be treated as exceptions, not the norm. Drafting tight ends in the draft is a crapshoot. Just look at the premium guys and where they were drafted. Kelsey third, Andrews Andrews fourth, Kittle fourth, Kittle's fifth, Waller sixth, Give me a wide receiver any day over the week besides rolling the dice early in the draft on Dalton Kincaid, Trey McBride, or a Michael Mayer. I would say this, though. I can find no different than tight ends in the middle of the draft. I can find wide receivers. I can find starting wide receivers in the second and third round as well. I don't have to draft a guy super high. And every single year in the draft, right this year, it was a really good tight end draft. Every year, you know, there are a ton of wide receivers. There's usually, I don't even, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I would guess on average, eight, nine wide receivers go in the top 50 picks of every draft. 
And then the amount of wide receivers that go, I would say, between like the third and fifth rounds, always pretty high. I, I just can find starting wide receivers in the third, fourth, fifth round. Now, to get Jamar Chase or some of these high-end guys, clearly you got to draft them high. That's no different, you know, at, at most positions. My point was not about if you view my, my point was simple. If going into the draft and you're in your good team, right, and you're drafting, let's say 23rd, and you have the same draft grade on, I'll just pick a player in last draft, Jordan Addison, who I just saw a headline, got caught going 140 miles an hour in a 55. 140 miles an hour. I've been in some fast cars. I don't think I've ever gone 140 miles an hour at 3 a.m. You're going 140 miles an hour. Like, I, I'm sorry. Some of these Ferraris and stuff aren't just made for like 23-year-old kids who have never driven one of these Ferraris. I've driven in a passenger seat of just some pretty powerful sports cars with a guy that knows what he's doing driving those things. And even he will be like, this thing's fucking powerful, man. Like, not, not all these cars are made for just universally everyone to drive. But that's the wrong tangent here. Uh, I would say, like I said, Jordan Addison versus, let's pick Michael Mayer. Let's just say you have the same draft grade on both guys. I can find a slot wide receiver in like third or fourth round. I would take Mayer because I'm planning on hitting on either one of the guys if I have a good grade. Well, if I hit on the guy, he is going to be way cheaper. And like you said, they're glorified slot receivers. You're getting a receiver then. You're getting a receiver for 60, 70% of the cost. So it's easier to build. I I talked about it from a cost perspective. If I'm getting a guy that can give me 75 to 85 catches and he's way cheaper. Like ultimately, Darren Waller, who's been injured the last couple weeks or years, when Darren Waller is rolling, part of his value is he's never going to cost you, if he can get you 80, 90 catches, $25 million. Even if you have to quote unquote overpay him, he's 15, 16 million dollars. Like the goal of when you draft is you think you're hitting on the player or else you would not pick them if you knew that that's not going to work, obviously. But at the time of the draft pick, you think the guy's good. Like the reason Kittle went late in the draft, you didn't think he was that good. He wasn't a very productive player in college, right? The reason some of these tight ends this year went a lot higher because they were really good college prospects. Next year, the dude uh, for Georgia, Brock Bowers, Napa High. The reason he's going to go really good is everyone thinks he's going to be like a Hall of Fame player. So if I can get Brock Bowers and I have the equivalent of whoever his equivalent, let's say him and Marvin Harrison are the same. I have him graded as the same. I would take the tight end. Call me crazy. That's what I would do. Because again, I plan on hitting on both. So if I think they're both going to be all pro players, I will take the all pro tight end. And then I think maybe I can get another wide receiver in the second round. You could make the argument same with the with the with the tight end in the second round, but the wide receiver costs way more. Like, would you rather have Kelsey or Tyreek Hill? I think the Chiefs proved that I think they made the right move. And Tyreek's incredible. He was like one of the best players in the league last year. Question for the pod. Just before I want to ask, mention, uh, just before I ask, just want to mention, I love the work on the pod and respect your opinion. They're the most reasonable ones compared to other podcasters that make a reach. I agree. Try to Try to be fair and balanced. Reasonable. And unfiltered. Been a Raider fan my whole life. I'm sorry. <laughs> and tired of constantly seeing them lose. 
What do you actually think is the issue through the years and how can you improve? Well, they, they've just been very, very inconsistent with their management. I mean, I, I've been around them when I lived in the Bay Area from Reggie McKenzie to Dennis Allen to Jack Del Rio to Gruden to firing those guys to bringing in Mayock to then firing those guys to Ziegler and Josh, who now things are not going well. They had consistent quarterback play, but it was, you know, they didn't exactly hit on a top seven, eight quarterback. He was solid and he was good enough to just have a long career, but he wasn't quite, or I mean, a long tenure as a quarterback. So you just, you haven't hit on the most important things, right? I mean, a home run at quarterback. Now, Derek was good enough to just keep you respectable if you had just solid management and they never could get that. And then when Derek was shitty, their coaching staff was kind of up and down. Now, they're in a position... Like they have some high end players, but they don't have a quarterback. And we don't know if the guy can coach. So the the only way you can be successful in the NFL for depth and explosive players and playmakers and schemes is like, do you have a good quarterback? Do you have a good head coach? If you can start with that, you got a chance. Right? Like, how do you win in the NBA? Well, do you have a top seven, eight player? Because if you do that, then you can build around him. Right? How do you win in baseball? Can you pitch? <laughs> can you pitch score runs you have a good bullpen that's how you're going to win in the playoffs this isn't that complicated of a formula right college football is a lot different than the nfl like college football it's you obviously got to have a good coach but recruiting the jimmies and the joes high-end blue chip talent like in the nfl for the most part good coaches good quarterbacks and then draft well around them that's where it all starts like the chief success kind of starts and ends with andy mahomes and then Veach building around those two guys. And it's worked, right? And that's the Bills are still trying to figure that out. The, the the Bengals trying to figure that out on the margins, but they're rattling off successful seasons every single year. Uh Zach Taylor's proven to be pretty good, pretty good play caller, pretty good head coach. Sean McDermott, I'd say the same thing. And obviously Burrow and Josh Allen are stars. For the most part, like the formula isn't that complicated. Question for the pod. Lifelong Jets fan terrified of hard knocks coming in. The wreck season was fine because they were all vets. This team is not that. Also worried Sala, whose seat is warm, won't handle it the same lightning rod fashion that Rex did. I mean, Rex, probably a top three or four character in the history of the show. What do you think about the Jets on the show and should be done with hard knocks, period, since every team is social media handling content? Stay cool in Arizona. That's difficult because it's 147 degrees. There's just no way around it. Once it comes, you just got to embrace it. I saw Sala said we had some questions. They answered it. Like I said earlier, they're not going to show players getting cut. Uh, I would also venture to guess they're going to be very, very careful what they show inside the team uh, personnel meetings. You know, the one with the the basically the big uh, kind of boardroom tables, everyone sitting around them. That's that's what inspired me to like want to work in that business. I'm like I want to be in that room. I'll never forget the first time, probably my second year with the Eagles, just being able to go. Like we kind of rotated with scouts uh, and going in that room at Lehigh with the Eagles and just kind of sitting on the side, Andy at the front, all the coaches around, and just going position by position. It was like I, I dreamed about this moment. Hell, it was cool when I was at Fresno State. Now my office was in the room. So by, by about the eighth week, you kind of get numb to it. But it, it is cool. And it's from a fan's perspective. I, I think that's the, that's way cooler than the cutting. To me, the cutting, I, I I do understand it, though. Like It's a huge part of August, 
players getting cut, moving down your roster. Like it's the whole point of preparing for the season, figuring out who's on your team. And part of figuring out who's your on your team is that inside on those uh on those meetings, which used to be as raw and real, and they are in, in real life, but the version we get now is definitely not the same. Uh so yeah, I, I, I don't think hard knocks will be the reason or not the reason. Now it'll be I also think they'll be very careful about any lightning rod stuff with with Rogers. It, it's gonna be very vanilla. I, I would expect very, very vanilla. The entertaining stuff will probably be the practice, right? Rodgers against the defense, the players chirping. That, that's always fun, but we get that with every team. The NFL Network goes practice to practice. Curious to hear and potentially Collins' take on my theory. What if Jimmy G to the Raiders was a setup where they knew there was a high probability it would end in disaster so they could tank for Caleb Williams? Given his past injuries and even dealing with an injury at the time of signing, you would think the Raiders would have a solid backup plan. Yet it seems they've pivoted the opposite direction, letting Stidham go. I know NFL teams don't often have the image of tanking, so maybe this is their quote-unquote out if Jimmy can't play. Now they can look to everyone and say at least they tried. Second part, if McDaniels has enough of a leash to have a horrible year and get his guy Caleb, like he did with Tebow, without Al Davis or fans coming for him, you would have to think this theory hold any truth. I would say that would be kind of like uh, chestnut checkers, and I just don't know if the Raiders are doing that. I, I don't. I, this gets back to my Vrabel thing. I, I, coaches aren't really into losing or thinking about losing until it kind of becomes inevitable in season. I think they signed Jimmy Garoppolo because they view Jimmy Garoppolo as a better player than Derek Carr in their offense. I I, I think it's just black and white, and the reason that they made him get surgery and amended the contract was they didn't really have any other options. Like there weren't other quarterbacks that made any sense. So they were kind of stuck. They were just in a weird way. Jimmy kind of had him by the balls. Like, what, what are you going to do? You're going to not sign me. Who's going to be your quarterback? Look around the market. They, they don't exist. I know you need a quarterback and kind of a specific quarterback who knows your offense. Now, if you're going to sign a guy in March and clearly you're not going to draft a guy, you don't have any quarterbacks coming back. I, I think it was less about that. Now, it might indirectly, because they didn't necessarily try for this outcome, lead to Caleb Williams if Jimmy gets hurt and they're just a disaster. But I, I think they signed Jimmy Garoppolo because they viewed him as an upgrade over Derek Carr. And then when the physical thing happened, when the physical happened and they realized that he's not going to be ready and he needs another surgery, they mess with the contract because they they still needed him because they didn't have like Tom Brady wasn't coming out of retirement, which I'm sure they called and that wasn't an option. So I I think I I understand what you're saying, but I think it's probably a little less uh, short-sighted than it is like your macro long-sided view, which I think if, if their quarterback situation and he's not healthy, which he rarely is, they would have a pretty good chance to suck. Uh, Sean from Knoxville, Tennessee, home of Kenny Chesney and the Tennessee Volunteers. I would like to address something that you said yesterday about Derrick Henry. You said he was hurt last season, which he was not. Our quarterback got hurt, but Henry was healthy the whole year. And also, yeah, he got hurt the year before. My bad. I'm a big listener of the show and I really enjoy your content, but I'm wondering where all the unwarranted hatred of Ryan Tannehill comes from. I'm not saying he's some rock star, but he is definitely above average quarterback in the league. 
Look at his stats from the past four years. Highest passer rating in the league. Pro Bowl appearances. I mean, it was Pro Bowl. It's part of that is, you know, Burrow and, and Mahomes are playing the Super Bowl. Like, there are, we have to admit, Tannehill doesn't have much in common with the high-end quarterbacks in the AFC. AFC Championship appearance. Didn't your running back run for like 700 yards in the two playoff games? Henry was hurt almost the whole year, and we were the number one seed with him as our quarterback that season. I don't think he is a lame duck like you say. Well, they just drafted a quarterback in the second round. Now, you, maybe you'd argue he was injured. Uh, I, I think it's simple. Anytime, think how much shit and how polarizing Dak and, and Cousins are, right? Think how often we talk about them, how often we discuss them, how often you can argue they're good, they're mediocre. When they suck, everyone celebrates if you don't like them. Tannehill is not as good as those guys. And I, I know you're a Titans fan. I, 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 I'm being objective on this because I, I have no beef with Ryan Tannehill. Like I said, I like Mike Vrabel. I love Nashville. If I get enough money, I plan on buying a home there one day. Just to have a home in that area. I, I freaking love. I, I am pro Tennessee, the state, the, the area, the team. But I, I just, anytime you get to like that kind of Alex Smith line of delineation, as fans, as management, you're always looking to upgrade. And Tannehill is a level where they're always looking to upgrade. Like I said, they just drafted a quarterback pretty high, and they were trying to trade into the first round to get Will Levis. So I, I I feel pretty confident that he will not be on the team in a year. They would have been all over the Aaron Rodgers trade if they wouldn't have had Daniel's contract kind of screwing them up. And a big reason that they lost A.J. Brown, we can debate it all day long, but like the business side of the salary cap and Tannehill's number was too high. So my maybe I got the Derek injury wrong, but I, I do feel pretty confident. Like Derek's run as this elite player, maybe he's got a year left. Like he, it's not like he's he's not on hole twelve here. You know, he's much closer to hole eighteen. There's nothing wrong with that. He's had one of the most remarkable running back careers of the internet a- age. Besides, like Adrian Peterson, find me a running back who can just carry a team quite like him. If any guy's got an argument, it's him. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just not, I'm not anti-Tanio. I think he's fine. Anytime you're just fine, like teams want better than, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> they want better than that. There's a reason that they won't extend Cousins. And Cousins is better than Tannehill. They think they can upgrade. Now, the one thing Tannehill does, if you could combine Cousins and Tannehill, you would have a top 10 player. Because Tannehill's athleticism, Cousins is a better passer of the ball. And maybe it's fair, maybe it's not. I, I It's hard to get that that playoff game out of my mind a couple years ago against the Bengals. That was tough. And that's that's a lasting image for me. Fair or not. I'll, I'll tell you when I'm biased or I have a quote-unquote agenda. You know? Is there any chance in your mind that the Chargers can take the division away from Kansas City? I think the only way that can happen is if like the Chargers win 14 games. Like the Chiefs could just have a 12-5 and five season, right? Because sometimes they... They got a little Kevin Durant Warriors to them where they can kind of go on cruise control, not really locked and loaded. They can just lose some weird games. And I could see a situation where do they go 12 and five and the Chargers go 13 and four? It'd be something like that. Or I mean, clearly, if Mahomes ever got injured, that'd be a problem. But if you told me that Andy Reid was the coach of the Chargers, I would say that they would win 15 games. 
I mean, I, to me, the Chiefs are at the point now where the regular season, clearly home field advantage matters a lot to them, and they've hosted however many straight playoff games, uh, AFC championship games. But you're going to have one of the years where just their focus wanes a little bit. And that's part of the good thing with the NFL. You're constantly getting new players. You're constantly getting new blood. You're constantly getting guys that haven't tasted it or young players that kind of want to. But I, I I could see a scenario and it would, you know, Herbert MVP type season. It's it's hard for me with a coach. As you anyone that's listened to my show for a while knows I'm not a Brandon Staley guy. Now, I, I don't really know, like, how many people you would just meet if you just went to the bar on a Sunday afternoon in the fall. Like, there are a lot of Brandon Staley guys out there. Like, yeah, really good coach. Underrated. Very. You can find someone like, I'm telling you, Dak's underrated. Right? Or make that argument. Or Cousins, I, I think he's better than you think. Or Herbert, I you know, he's overrated. Like, you hear these. No one's ever, you know. I think you're you're being too hard on Brandon Staley. He's a better coach than you think. He's closer to Mike Vrabel than anyone wants to realize. Like you're not really having that argument. I don't know who I'm arguing with over Brandon Staley. I think we're all kind of on the same page. Even the Chargers behind closed doors would tell you, yeah, we just didn't really want to pay him to go away. We we weren't going to pay Sean Payton, but uh, he'll probably be if he doesn't at minimum win a playoff game. But if you were to win the division. Then I think he he would have to win a playoff game too because they'd be they'd be hosting a playoff game, which would be weird. I mean, that's I was talking to someone the other day. It's just it's pretty sad that the Chargers aren't in San Diego. I love San Diego. Have a good weekend. Talk to everyone later. Peace. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.